two. If you need your Bible, lift up your hand, and uh, Paul will give you one. Luke chapter 2. And we'll just be uh, touching a couple verses this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Luke 2, 13-14 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Father, we thank and we praise you, Lord God. Again, for what you've done, Lord, words can just not express, Lord. Lord, how thankful we are, Lord God. But we just thank you, Lord, that the angels, Lord, declared how great it was as they said, Glory to God in the highest, Lord. And we pray that we would have that same attitude, Lord, that heart felt thankfulness, Lord, for what you've done for us, Lord, and we would just live lives, Lord God, showing you how truly thankful we are, Lord. So, Father, be with us, Lord, and be with those who couldn't be here today, Lord, and we do thank you so much for this day, Lord God, as we just spend this time together as our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, and we just ask that you just edify us and encourage us, Lord, as we go home and, Lord, do some other things which are nice, Lord, and we thank you for them, Lord. And, Father, we do pray for our family and friends that do not know you, Lord. Work in our lives today, Lord. Speak to their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've entitled this message a little, really more of a, an exhortation for us this morning. It's called God's Gift to Us. God's Gift to Us. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the gift of gifts, and he was giving to us today. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lives, with whom there is no variation or turning. The gift of Jesus came from our Father in heaven. One day in February 1994, I knelt down on my basement floor, and received Jesus, the gift that God had given to me. I received that gift of salvation. I made Jesus my personal Lord and Savior. And it's a gift that I am forever thankful for, and it's a gift that will last through all eternity. I will be with my Lord, my Savior, for all eternity, because He came and lived a perfect life on my behalf. A life which I could not live, even as much as I would try to live. I just couldn't do it. But Jesus did it. And I just, that day was the day I received the gift. I made Jesus mine. Uh, the best gift that I could ever receive. Amen? Amen. And we're going to talk about that this morning a little bit. About <clears throat> Last night we talked about the true meaning of Christmas. Um, we know that in our hustle and bustle world that uh, it doesn't really know the true Christmas message, and uh, my the, te the the motivation for my message last night was Charlie Brown. If you remember, see the Charlie Brown special. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is really all about? And uh, hopefully, I answered that question last night. But the the real thing that Christmas is about is that the Bible says, "For God sent the Savior, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." And because of that gift. We get many other gifts that come from Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, some of the other gifts that we will receive by receiving Jesus. Because we're not the only ones who want to give gifts. God wants to give gifts. 
He loved giving gifts as you study the scripture, and as we'll see this morning. See, the Christmas message, rather, has great blessings attached to it. God likes to give us gifts, and his gifts are infinitely better than the gifts we can give. Amen? Now, I gave my wife a nice tea set this morning. Um, but with our son, there may be a good chance that it'll break. Um, <laughs> we'll have to keep it high uh, and away from anything they get his hands on. But God's gifts are infinite. And they're infinitely better than the gifts we give. Though we have great intentions, and it's good that we do care, but God's gifts are great. Again, the greatest gift is God sending his son into the world to save us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us. He demonstrated it how? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were still doing what we were doing, Christ died for us. He gave him us. And Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So he gave us his son. And now God says, If I gave you my son, I will surely give you all things. Amen? And this morning we're going to look at just some of those things that God has given us. Again, the world tries to put the cart before the horse. See, they think they can have peace and love and joy and happiness and things we, they sing about nowadays. You hear all the Christmas carols, they sing about those things. But see, you can't ultimately have peace or happiness or joy without Jesus. You can't have it. The world tries, but it falls short, right? We all know that. It doesn't take much to look around. Even though the world may sing about it, they don't never receive it. They don't. Because the only way you can get peace is first through receiving Jesus Christ, and then the peace will come. Just to give you a little foretaste of what God has in store for us, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll be hopping around a little bit, but Ephesians chapter 1 just gives us a foretaste of some of the things that God has for us. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. Listen to what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How much? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, holy and without blame as before him in love, having predestined us to adoption, we are adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace which he made bound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen? Paul is listing some great theological truths there that we're not going to get into fully. But the idea here is that God has given us all things in Christ. 
That's where they come. You got to have Christ. He's first and foremost. And then once we receive Christ, then everything else will fall into place. Now, the first thing, the first thing we need to look at this morning is the Holy Spirit. It says here, we were given the Holy Spirit. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what we get once we receive Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes in you, and he starts to work. See, once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he starts to work in our lives. And as he starts to work in our lives, guess what? Changes happen. He starts to change us. Amen? So things go from worse to getting better because of the Holy Spirit. Again, once I was filled with the Holy Spirit that day, in February, I believe it was, I started to change. Nobody told me to change. I didn't tell myself to change. But all of a sudden, I had a desire to change, and I had the power to change. That was a big difference. All of a sudden, I had this power to stop doing the things that I was doing. And the things that I was doing was destroying my life, if some of you can relate. Within a year of my being saved, I pretty much stopped cursing and drinking, viewing pornography, and going to go-go bars. All within a year. In other words, God gave me the power to clean up my life. Amen? And hopefully all of you have that same testimony. That once you received Jesus, you were different. A power came inside you that gave the ability to stop doing the things you were doing. My friends and I, we used to kid around as we would drink. And we thought, I'm going to quit drinking, but I ain't no quitter. <laughs> you know, because we didn't have the power to do it. And unfortunately, many of our friends, they still haven't stopped. They're still doing the same old thing. See, so many people get it wrong because they think they have to clean their lives up before they come to Christ. But it's wrong. Just come to Christ, and He will clean up your life. He'll start the work. You receive the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, He starts working in your lives, and you start changing. And so many people are kept from God because they think they first got to get my act together, then I'll go to God. No. Jesus says, come. Just come to me, and I will do the work inside you. And theologically, once that takes place, it's called the sanctification process. We're being sanctified now. When you receive Jesus, you're justified. God sees you now positionally perfect before Him. He sees you just as you have never sinned. But practically, what happens? We still sin. And that's the sanctification process. We still need help. God is still working in us. And the Holy Spirit is helping us to become more like Christ. See, when I first got saved, I was nothing like Christ, you know? But now I'm a lot like him. I have a, I have a tremendous amount of work to go, but I'm so much more like Christ than I was back then. And see, the great thing about this gift of the Holy Spirit is that first you start to change. Amen? Yes. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then once we start to change, we could change our family. Then we could change our friends. Then we could change our towns and our states, our country, and eventually the world. Because of us. And then and only then, there will peace, be peace on earth, on goodwill towards men. Because of the change that's come from us to others. And again, I know I keep saying it, but I am in love with the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs> you guys are probably like, I don't want to hear about this song again, Pastor Bob. <laughs> but I love it. 
And I love how Charles Wesley captures one of what I'm trying to say here this morning. Listen to what he says. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glories by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I love the phrase, risen with healing in his wings. That's what it's about. That's what Jesus is all about. Jesus is in the business of healing our lives. And hopefully some of you here, all of you experienced that to some extent. That you've been healed. See, when I first got saved, I had no idea how much healing I needed. Amen? <laughs> I had no idea. I did, be honest with you, I didn't think I was that bad. I just didn't. You know? I mean, I knew I was doing some bad things, but I mean, I wasn't like, you know, you know John Christensen, you know? <laughs> I didn't think I was that bad. But see, once started, God started to heal one part of my life, I realized I need other parts healed. You understand? He healed one part. He got that out of the way. Okay, now let's go on to some other parts, Bob. See, God loves us so much that he's not going to stop at the superficial level of healing. He's not going to stop at the superficial level of healing. He wants to heal our whole being. See, drinking, all the stuff I was doing, that was just a, a symptom of the problem. Once I got those things, that was like a walk through the park to get rid of those things. But there's bitterness, envy, covetousness, pride. Humil All these things are in my life, and God's working in, in my life to be like Christ through the Holy Spirit. He's healing me. See, there are many people walking around this world with very good working bodies, right? They got arms, they got legs, they could run, jump, skip, whatever they want to do. But these are people who also have their hearts shattered. In other words, they have good physical bodies, but their hearts are shattered. Their hearts are shattered. And Jesus wants to save those people, but he also wants to heal their heart and make them whole again. That's what Jesus is doing. He saves you, and then he heals you. Not only physically at times, but spiritually. Who wouldn't give an arm and a leg to have their heart healed? Right? I was watching a special on the 9-11. The you know, I'm just very intrigued by it. And they were, they were interviewing some of the children who, you know, they lost their parents in 9-11. Uh, mm -hmm. And this girl, I don't know, she's like 20 years old now. She said, I would give anything in the world just to hug my father one more time. Anything. See, there's much more of the healing takes place inside than our bodies. Nothing wrong with healing your bodies. God pray and God touch you and heal you. But Jesus really wants to get inside. He wants to really touch our He wants to make us different. Heal our hearts. And sometimes we may have to go through the furnace. We have to go through the heat. It may be difficult. But that's where the healing begins. As we allow God through the Holy Spirit 
to get into our hearts. And the key is allow. Not enough Christians allow God to get in. Say, God, get in there. It's a mess in there. Clean me up, Lord. And sometimes it'll go through the heat. I've been through the heat. I don't like the heat. But I like the results of being after the heat, don't you? And that's what God wants to do. So the first thing we need to look at is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift that God has given us. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and He starts to work and change our life. Amen? Now one of the specific things that the Lord mentions here, the angels do in verse 14, is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace. Peace on earth is mentioned here because obviously there is no peace on earth. There is none. And in the ultimate sense, there will be no peace on earth until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, establishes his kingdom in Jerusalem. That's the only time there will eventually be world peace. But see, what this does tell us here is that God desires you and I to have peace. He wants us to have peace on earth, peace with him, and he wants us to have peace with one another. That's what he wants. Jesus said, all will know you are my disciples because of your love for one another. That there's peace between each other. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Peace. God desires peace on earth. And again, one of my greatest desires is to have peace among each other, Christians. That we would truly love one another. And that desire is only there because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I can't say that I, okay, I want, I want peace with everybody. I can't say that came from me. But the Holy Spirit. I love people. I love Christians. And I just pray that we would have that peace and love one another and dwell together in unity. That we would just love one another. And just above and beyond. Offer each other grace and compassion and kindness. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. So peace. And even the pagans understood this. Listen to what one first century writer wrote. He said, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearned for more than even outward peace. We may be at peace right now in America, sort of. But they can, our president can never give us inner peace. It can never happen. That's why America's a mess, no matter how good the president is. No matter how it's Congress tries, Senate tries, our government tries, it'll never be peace because we're not at peace inside. But the Bible says God wants to give us peace. You and I, believers, each and every one. We may not have world peace. Like all Mrs. Americas want, right? What do you want? World peace. <laughs> but we can have peace. Because we're told in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that God wants to give us prayer, peace that passes all understanding. Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That your request may be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. I forgot to write it down here. <laughs> but I had that memorized a long time ago. So God wants to give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, as we go through those very difficult trials that the Holy Spirit may be sending us through, God will work through our prayers that gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. 
But in order to have the peace that surpasses understanding, you have to be in a situation that surpasses your understanding. Right? Everybody wants that peace that surpasses understanding, but what do you win? Usually comes with difficult times. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, once we receive Jesus as our Savior, we then have peace with God. No longer is there enmity with Him. No longer does God count our sins against us. They've all been forgiven, past, present, and future. We've been justified by, we have peace with God. I now have a perfect relationship with my Father in heaven. I have peace with God. There's no enmity in between me and Him and I anymore. I can cry out, Abba, Father. I can go to my prayer closet, say, Father, help me. There's no enmity. I have peace with my Father in heaven. We're, we're good. We're good to go because of Jesus. Perfect peace with my Father in heaven. A perfect relationship. The veil has been torn down. I can go right to my Father in heaven. Total peace. I can go home and if I die today, I know I'm going to heaven. Not because of what I've done, because of what Jesus has done. I have peace. No matter what I've done today. If I totally mess up the joint, if I go home and, you know, backslide and whatever. Have a bad day, right? We all have a bad day, right? I'm going to heaven because of Jesus, what he's done. And I've received that gift. And one of the sweetest things in life is knowing you have peace with God, right? It sounds pretty good having peace with God, isn't it? I'm straight. We got it going because of Jesus. See, but people who are involved in religions that are based on works never have peace with God. Because how will you know when you worked enough? Right? You never know. Well, I was pretty good yesterday, but I wasn't so good today. You know, that's a terrible treadmill to be on. Just keep trying to get right before God, right before God, right before God. I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it. To try and get that peace. But what happens if you, let's just say, the 2,000 good works. Man, that is just great. And then you get to heaven and God's like, oh, you were so close. You needed 2,001. <laughs> but Romans 4, 5 says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. See, faith gives us the peace with God, not works. And one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you should have peace in your heart. Love, peace, joy, happiness, self-control. So peace is a fruit of the Spirit. We should have peace in our lives. As we walk around and do what the Lord has asked us to do. See, peace is mentioned here at the birth of Jesus. It's also mentioned while he ministered on earth. And it's also mentioned after he ministered. See, Jesus spoke specifically about the peace that he would give us. Listen to what he says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus is leaving us a peace, and it is a peace that is different from the world. It's not as the world gives. It's different from the world. See, the peace that the world wants to give us is that it's based on our circumstances, Right? If we could just settle those borders with Israel, then we'll have world peace, you know? 
No, because then you have to go to the next country that's a mess. <laughs> you know, you have to go to North Korea and South Korea and try to figure out what's going on over there. Then you got Vietnam. You know, but if we could just, you know, if we could just get a leader who could give us peace, then we'll be okay. And that's how the Antichrist is going to set up the situation. But Jesus gives us peace despite our circumstances. Not as the world gives. I give you peace despite your circumstances. When you're in it, when you're knee deep in it, when you're walking in it, right? I can say that I've been, there have been times when I've had peace in some very difficult situations. And I was even surprised that I had the peace. I'd be like, you're supposed to be anxious. Well, I have peace. I know, but usually everybody's anxious, you know. I should be anxious now. Why ain't I anxious? Well, I have peace. I'll just, just go with it. <laughs> Don't question it. But unfortunately, when I get my eyes off Jesus, I lose my peace. It happens. I hate to say it. I wish I always kept my eyes on Jesus, but I don't. And Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. You want to keep in perfect peace that Jesus gives? you got to keep your mind stayed on him. You can't be like Peter. When Peter got out of the boat, as soon as he looked to the waves, he sunk. So to have that peace, we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Trust Him. You may not understand. The situation surpasses your understanding. You're like, what's going on? Just keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. And you'll have that peace. And another gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ is victory over sin and death. Amen? Amen. The Bible calls us more than conquerors. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 56 through 57 says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? We're victorious. I'm a victor. I have victory. See, as Christians, we don't work towards victory. We work from victory. Big difference. We work from victory. Our sin debt has been paid. Death and sin has been nailed to the cross. Jesus took the principalities and the powers and the things that were against us, the Bible says, and he nailed them to the cross. They're all taken care of. And because of that victory, we're no longer slaves to sin because sin no longer has its power over us. Sin doesn't rule over me anymore. I have victory in Jesus Christ. Now, will we slip and fall at times? Absolutely. We will fall times, unfortunately. But sin doesn't rule my life. No. Even though I slip, I had the victory. Because we live in this fallen world, we're still going to slip every now and then. But we had the victory. Sin doesn't rule my life anymore. I was cauterized in the back, like, oh, Bob, you know, he's this or he's that. or Not anymore. And now he's I'm a Jesus freak. <laughs> That's okay. I can live with that. You know? Because I have victory over sin. I'm not at the bars anymore. I'm not to go. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Because I have victory. I can honestly say that before I became a Christian, just to give you my mindset, maybe you'll understand. I never even dreamed of living a life without alcohol. I never even, I never even thought it would even take place. Never thought about it. Never did. So much of my life revolved around getting drunk. And even to just give a little... Um, analogy, me and Jen are driving here this morning, and I'm like, oh, there's Cheesequake Park. I said, you know, when you camp there, you in the summer, you don't even know that there's a highway there. 
I said, you know what we did there? <laughs> we drank. We got drunk. That's what we did there. <laughs> See, but as best I can remember, the last time I drank any alcohol was the winter of 1996. How many years? What year is it now? 2011? 15 years ago. 15 years. Meanwhile, my life was ruled from age 15 to 28 by alcohol for the most part. But now 15 years without even a sip. I never even thought it would happen. And here I am. My mom, she's here today. She was also a drinker, right? And drank up to the, about 50 years old. She drank up till she was about 50 years old. And yet, once she received Christ, she no longer drinks, right? No more. No more. She has victory over it. She might have thought, lived the rest of her life. Unfortunately, her father died just being a, a drunk. But she's not. She's living clean now. She has victory. And that's what's supposed to take place. No matter how old we are, there is still time to live the victorious Christian life. Always time. 50 years old, my mom's life turned her life around through Jesus. She's not categorized as that. See, I love when Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. And he says to me, he says, You know, you Corinthians, the, un uh, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither will fornicators, nor idolaters, or nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, and drunkards, and on the None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. But then Paul adds, And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Amen? God gave these people the victory over sin that they had been enslaved to. God gives us victory. He gives us victory in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Pastor McCartney said. He said, There are many who still reject him as they did when Christ first came. But to as many as received him, to them he gives power to become the sons of God. Think of that. To become the sons of God, power over sorrow, power over time, power over hate, power of temptation, power over sin, power over death. We had the victory. We had the victory. Sin is not reigning in our bodies no more. We're not slaves to it. We're going to go home. We're free. Jesus said, you're my disciples. You are free. You should know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Amen. Now, one of my favorite ways in which the Bible talks about what takes place once we receive Christ, the gift we get, Christ, in Christ, there's called newness of life. Newness of life. That's the thing that we get once we receive Jesus Christ. Newness of life. See, as a Christian now, I love life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. I love being alive. I love as a Christian. See, ever since I became a Christian, the sky seems bluer. Anybody can relate? The trees seem greener. Life just seems to be more brighter. It's just brighter. That's the best way I can say it. I can remember when, at one time distinctly, one day, I don't know how long I was in the Lord, I just remember saying to myself, I said, you know what? I don't remember the creation being this bright and so colorful. I just didn't remember it. Because I'm a new creation now in Christ. I didn't view it the way I used to view it. It was clouded by sin and the stuff I was doing. But now I'm a new creation in Christ. I see the creation the way that God wants to see. It's beautiful. It's awesome. I love the creation just looking at it. And it's just so, it's fantastic because of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's one of the gifts that we get for receiving Jesus. 
You're a new creation. The old Bob Hartman, I don't know where he went. <laughs> He's gone. See, the Bible says we're new people. The Bible also tells us now that we become a Christian, we get a new mind, a new heart with new desires, a new will, new eyes, and eventually a new body. Amen? Amen. Anybody in for a new body? I can go for one. <laughs> Again, it's an unbelievably fantastic thing that Jesus gives us. He gave himself, and then he gives us all these gifts. He gives us newness of life. He could have just said, hey, I saved you guys. See you when you get to heaven. But he didn't do that. He just says, I'm going to give you newness of life. You're going to walk through this life now a new person. You're going to be different. You're going to have a new heart, a new desire. You're going to want to do things you never did before. See, at, 20 years old, at 28 years old, I was born again and got an opportunity to start living life the way it was supposed to be lived. Amen? I was born again at 28 years old. See, there are countless numbers of people in the world that would love to have a new start in life. You know? You meet them? I just wish I could start all over again. I wish I could go back and I wish I could do it right. And there's many movies based on that premise too, are there not? I just want to go back. Songs, people sing about it. And yet the reality is, Christ gives us the new opportunity to get a new start. Amen? I heard it said this way. We finally become the people we've always wanted to be. That's who I'm becoming. I'm not there yet. I always wanted to be a loving father and care for my son and be, um, you know, like, uh, like emotional and, you know, like huggy and, you know, and I can't say it, but I want it. You know? <laughs> you know? Affectionate. I, affectionate. There you go. Because yeah. before Christ, I was hard. I was hard before Christ. I would, before I was a Christian, I used to tell people, you'll never hurt me. Never. Never. I wouldn't allow it. I would not allow anybody to get in and hurt me. I would not allow it. But now I want to be different, and I am different. My son loves me. You see him. You know, I mean, can you blame him? Obviously, you know. <laughs> see, because of this newness of life, Thousands of marriages have been saved. Thousands of families have been restored. And who knows how many people have been saved from addiction of one kind or another. Millions upon millions of people have been fed, clothed, and helped. And the list goes on and on because of a new life. And who knows where our son might have been if it weren't for the grace of God. Who knows? We don't know. And all these things are a result of the true Christmas message that God sent a Savior into the world to save us from our sins. See, once you have newness of life, life takes on a greater and different dynamic when you have that newness of life. You know it. It gives us greater purpose in life and causes us to live life to the fullest, does it not? When we realize we got a second chance, when I realize I got a second chance, I don't want to waste any more time. I don't want to waste it. I want to make every day matter. It's like I wasted enough time for 15 years of my life. I don't want to waste any more time now that I got a new beginning. I want to make it all count. And Christians, we should make sure to do everything we can to make sure we don't waste the second chance we were given. Don't waste it. At 20 years old, I was given a new chance to start over, start fresh. I don't want to waste that opportunity. Every day, not every day, but often I say, Lord, don't let me waste my life. Don't let me waste this day. Don't let me waste it, Lord. 
especially when I know there's not that much time left. I'm 45 years old now. I don't know how much longer I have. I don't want to make every day count as best I can. Love my son, love my family, love you guys, minister to strangers, whomever. I want to make the day count, help people, love people, minister to people, glorify God. Introduce people to Jesus Christ. Help them to come to know Jesus so they can experience what we experience. That's what we want to do, do we not? We want people to experience what we have experienced, being saved from sin, that you have a new life. I want people to know that so desperately. And again, this morning, okay, we're not doing too bad on time. I didn't even set my clock. But I've only scratched the surface of some of the things, the gifts that we were given as a result of the true Christmas message. I just scratched the surface, barely scratched the surface, just nicked it. That's it. See, what we've just heard helps us to see how then we can have goodwill towards men. Once we receive Jesus, we receive the gifts He's given us, then we can have goodwill towards men. How? For one, Jesus says to go out to all the world and make disciples of all nations. So we go out there and make disciples, we're starting to have goodwill towards men. We're changing people's lives. Jesus tells us that to be sought and enlightened to the world, and that our good works that the people see will glorify our Father in heaven. So that way we'll bring goodwill towards men. Jesus said we're to love our neighbor as ourselves and do good to those that use you. That's how we have goodwill towards men. Loving your neighbor. Doing good to those who hate you, don't like you, who use you, do good to them. And then we'll be on the track of having goodwill towards men. I mean, some people are still going to keep being obnoxious, but some will say, wow, that guy's different. They're different. And then you're establishing a good relationship, encouraging them. I preach the gospel as much as I possibly can to everyone. And when I've had opportunities to share with people, I still, I don't beat them over the head, but I try to encourage them to live life right. You know? I don't neglect the message. I tell them the message straight up. But I still tell them, hey, live life right. God has called you to live this way. Do this. Love your neighbor. And hopefully as they get these other words into their life, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That the Lord gives the increase of just the word that I put into their heart of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Thessalonians, he said, Not only did we impart you to the gospel, but we also imparted to you our very lives. Not only did we impart you the gospel to you, but we imparted our very lives. In other words, we loved you guys. We did. Hey, I didn't want to ask any money from you guys, he tells them. I worked in my own hands. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I just wanted to invest in you. See, if we preach the gospel and live the gospel, who knows how much goodwill towards men will happen in our world? Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> you see, as you love your neighbor as yourself, see what may happen. See how you can turn them. One time, this guy in our street, he, they have a baby just about the same time as Caleb, and something happened outside his house. I helped him, then I helped him another time. And then I'm driving down the street, and I see this wallet right in the middle of the road. I'm like, look out, you know what I mean? So I get the wallet, and it's just that guy, you know what I mean? So I go and I bring it there, he's like, you're my savior, you know? <laughs> and I don't see him much, you know, but I try to encourage him, you know what I mean, a little bit, but that's what we try to do, you know what I mean? That's what we try to do as much as we can.
preach the gospel and do good to those who use you or just maybe just, just be nice to a neighbor. But in conclusion, the final thing we need to look at, everything involved in the Christmas story is all for the glory of God. Amen? It's all for His glory. See, God gets the glory for sending Jesus into the world to save us from our sins. He gets all the glory. And why does He get all the glory? For one, He thought of it, right? You didn't think about it. It came from God. Second, He initiated it. He sent His Son into the world. Then He brought it to be. He brought His Son to the world. And then He will bring it to completion. He's going to finish the whole thing. God thought of it, started it. He did all of it. He's going to finish it. God will bring it all to completion. It's all for Him and for His glory. He did it. Again, Jesus came to the world when you weren't even thinking about it. You weren't even acknowledging Him. But God did it. And I love thinking about that now. That when I was 20 years old doing my stuff, I didn't think about God at all, but yet He was thinking about me. He was praying for me. And I look back now and say, wow, Lord, that's just powerful. That when I didn't give a rip about you, you were thinking about me. It blows me away now that I'm saved. It blows me away. And when I see people in the world just messing around like we used to, I'm like, man, God is thinking about those people and they don't even know them. That's powerful. And all the glory goes to Him. See, listen, the angels gave God glory in the highest, but listen, just for hearing the message and seeing what was taking place. Yet how much glory should we give God because we are the ones that are actually experiencing what was given to us? They gave God glory in the highest. The ultimate sense they could glorify God, they did it, but they only heard it and saw it. We're experiencing it. The Bible says the angels long to look on salvation, but we're experiencing it. We get the benefit of it. So how much more glory should we give to God? All the glory, honor, and praise, and power be to His name forever and ever. Amen. Thanking Him, praising Him. Again, as I was thinking about this, Lord, I was just, this morning and this next, I just thank Lord, thank you so much for what you've given me. It hasn't been easy. It's not going to be easy. But I'm thankful for what you've given me, a new life. At 28 years old, I got a new start. And that's more, it's just a fantastic thing to think about. And all of us can experience that. So if we desire to give honor and bring God glory to show Him how thankful we are for the gift of His Son, we'll live lives of obedience. We'll live lives of obedience. And please understand, this isn't some stern obedience where we have to obey. Rather, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my word. I love Jesus. That's why I keep the commandments. I want to show him that I love you, Lord, so I'm going to be obedient. And listen to what Pastor John Jowett said. If only we would give glory to God in the highest, peace on earth is sure, and goodwill among men is secured. Amen? Amen. 